0: Broncos All Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you to the Players Club. woo Yeah. Wow. Right? Mm. Chad wasn't I, ready for that, man. I don't think anyone was ready for that.
1: Well, uh, it doesn't matter, because here we are. It's the Players Club. It is Tuesday. It is July 18th, right? Hotter than July, middle of summer. How are you boys doing? We got the full Players Club here today.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah? Yeah, man. What, what makes you fantastic, Chad? I, I get to is join all- you two in the studio. Okay, so sarcasm. I no, like that's, that. not, that's serious. So when you wake up in the morning, you're like, this is cool. I get to go spend time with my buddies, Nate, in Orlando, and talk sports. Absolutely. How you doing today, Orlando? You looking chipper?
2: Hi, hey, I'm doing great. Um, got up this morning. My wife's trying out this new system, right? Um, that she will drop the kids off to school, but mm-hmm. I need to be up. I was told by <laughs> I was told. You know, Get up by six forty. Like st- you need to like shower by six forty. Like get in the shower at six forty because I'll get up early and I just you know go work out, hang out, and I'll kind of jump in the shower around like 7, 10, 7, 15 and she goes downstairs and starts doing lunch. But she. Has requested my help to help out with the lunch. So this morning was just a lot of questions. Like, hey, uh, you what about this? To work, with, help out with lunch? Um, no. So normally I would shower during the time <laughs> that I know that lunch is being made <laughs> ah, gotcha. to bypass having to help out with Got lunch. You. Okay, lunch is for the kids. She, and she busted your plan. Yeah. So yes. uh, I guess she realized what I was doing and was like, hey, like, why don't you like start showering? At, like. 6:45 so you could be downstairs by like 7:05 and you know kind of ready and dressed for the day. And I was looking at her like cuz I don't want to. <laughs> so she was like, "Yeah, yeah, I think like let's try this one out this morning." And the last thing that she said as she was pulling out the the, the um garage was, "Isn't this a great system? Like this was awesome today. I can't wait to do this again tomorrow." So I was like, ah.
1: "Yeah, honey." Yeah, so. so 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 the lunch was made. You you participated in that? Participated in that. How um, did that like well did you learn were there any surprises there? Did you learn? Yeah, anything? so
2: big surprise. Um well, my oldest has dairy and nut allergies, right? So he's allergic to dairy, he's allergic to all tree nuts. Um my youngest is not allergic to anything and eats everything. He's a brick house, right? Um and what I learned is that my youngest has a cabinet in the household for snacks, oh. like his own separate cabinet. That, like, that all of his snacks are taken out of, unless it's like the fruit portion or whatever. Guiana's kind of packing with uh, lunch, the lunch aspect. So. so
1: the two lunches have to be completely separate.
2: Um, well, the snacks are Somebody. completely separate, right? Cause that, like as a whole, like we tend to eat all the same things in the household, but there are, there is a cabinet where my youngest has a couple options that do have dairy in it. That do have, you know, little peanut butter crackers from back in the day. Like mm-hmm. they come in the, you know, the three rows and oh, the, yeah. with the orange crackers that you can have peanut butters in the yeah, middle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> I was, I learned a little bit today. Yeah, for sure.
1: What do you, what do y'all put in their lunch for as far as like protein goes?
2: Um, it depends. Cause like yeah, so cause I, I had my, spaghetti and meatballs today okay, because cool. that was left over from last night.
1: Nice, and where
2: Kylo had like a turkey sandwich. Like yep. so my youngest will eat sandwiches where my oldest won't touch
1: it. Yeah, I'm a sandwich guy too. And I and when I make the lunch, I put a little turkey sandwich in there. And sometimes he eats it. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he get it back, and it's just like this. He just he just squeezed it up into a ball and just <laughs> left it in there. It's like just a ball of bre- yeah. bread and turkey. That buds. is a
0: sign for you as a signal. Didn't want that.
1: Yeah, I get it. But like, <laughs> hey, man, I also heard this about kids. If you put the same thing in front of them X number of times, eventually they eat it. Yeah, I've heard that. Like well. broccoli. So, you you know, you want him to like broccoli. So you just put broccoli in there every day, every day, every day. And eventually he'll start eating it, especially when he's hungry. Because mm. isn't it part of it? He's got to be hungry. If he's hungry, he'll eat anything. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've looked at. Yeah, some you're the days guy with two girl kids. Where, yeah, no. my kids ate everything, so I, I I I can't really participate in this discussion. They uh, ate everything you made. They listen, were never I've late. had
2: some days where my kid yeah. has come home from school and he's had nothing, not a snack, not nothing. Like my kids, like did you drink my water kids all day? Ate they? We we put we put sushi
0: in front of them. We put sushi? every we put everything that we How ate in front of them
1: when they ate sushi
0: the first time. Yeah, probably I don't know uh, eighteen months. Come on, man. Really? really? Yeah. Not the raw sushi. sushi. Though, like, yeah. Raw, the raw one. Yeah. yeah. Oh. A tuna, a California roll. It wasn't fancy stuff, but it was still sushi. Damn. So when they were young, we would go to the sushi restaurant and we would give them rice, which was great because it stuck to their hands. They could play with it and eat it. And then after a while, it's like, okay, well, here's rice with some fish. Wow. You know, mm. here's some edamame. Here's, you know, my son would love that because he's like, Ooh, where, where, I need a bowl for my bean holders. Where I put my, he called the husk from the edamame the bean holders. <laughs> that's very literal. Yes, because there's beans inside the bean holders. So, yeah, my kids ate everything. We put everything we ate in front of them, you know, and we'd always say, At the very least, please take a no thank you bite. Mm. And they would, you know, take a
2: bite and they like, Oh, that's actually pretty good. And they would no, just dive thank right you in.
1: Bite. That's yes. smart. Yeah. yeah,
2: we do the no thank you bite thing too, but he's just like, Yeah. Takes the bite. It's like, no, thank you. It's, it's already predetermined that after this bite, he's not going to like it. Yeah,
1: see, my kids were a little bit more open. I didn't eat sushi for the first time until I was probably 22 years old. Yeah, and I think that too. my dad probably never ate sushi in his life. He was mm. a very meat and potatoes kind of guy. Okay. Um, and I can't imagine my dad ever putting a, a piece of raw fish in his mouth. Um, when did you get introduced to sushi, Chad? Uh, no, I was in Boulder. Were you, okay, so your parents weren't sushi eaters. No, mm-hmm. is your dad like sushi?
0: Well, My dad will eat it. He's not his uh,
1: favorite. No, he's just. You uh, he he grew he up on a farm a, in North Carolina. He has one no thank you bite. Uh,
0: he'll no he can he'll, 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 he'll taste a little bit of everything. He's not just gonna you know refuse it all, but he would prefer something cooked. He would I, say a little bit more substantial,
1: right? Yeah, because he eats sushi and the the. the the joke is that you're hungry right after. I've heard that before. Do you not feel that sensation? I
0: completely disagree. When you and I went out and had sushi, we left stuffed. That's true. We had a great time, lots of good food, yes.
1: Okay, so about that, you have a you have a system for ordering sushi. Correct. Tell, tell us about that system.
0: All right, so typically, uh, you know, I don't just order 30 pieces at one time and a big, giant boat of sushi comes in. Literally, sometimes it comes in a boat, depending on what sushi place you go to. I order two to three pieces at a time. Right. Um, that way they're, they're, they're right there. They're fresh. The, the nori, the, the, the seaweed has not gotten soggy and chewy. It's still got some crispness to it. Uh, the rice is still held together. Well, the fish hasn't gone dry. There's a certain way I've done it based on the omakase style where sushi chef is just feeding you as you go along. When I'm ordering non omakase, I do my own version of that. And it's a very paced out meal to maximize the flavor and enhance the whole
1: experience. So do you try to cleanse your palate with the uh, the ginger? ginger after every little order?
0: Not every little time. Sometimes, Well, between courses, yes. To your point, yes. I'll, the three pieces I'll order will all be of a similar style or something, so I'm trying Chad to course Pratt. it out. Uh, I know. I know. I'm <laughs> fancy over here.
1: Sorry about my fanciness. Someone on the Ramoslaw.com text line saying, Chad, the fake crab meat in California rolls are the hot dogs of the sushi world. I don't eat fake crab meat. You don't eat California rolls? I don't. <laughs> Chad Brown. Get that What out is of this? Here. Yes. It's a no thank you bite. I'll take some real fish, please. Uh, someone also on the Ramoslav.com text line saying, Rice and plain seaweed wrap is a good way to introduce kids and people uh, to sushi. So good even without the fish, vegetables, and sauces. I would agree. All right. See, it's the
0: same path. My wife and I did get my kids
1: enjoying it. Have your kids ever had a hot dog? Yes, both of them. Cool. Yes. Have, have your kids Delicious. ever had a sushi hot dog? <laughs> Wrapped in rice. No, see. they have not. Oh! Ho, ho. We're on to something, guys. Uh, We're also on to something else, and it's the Denver Broncos 2023 season. These guys are uh, knocking on heaven's door here. One week from now, they'll be reporting tomorrow the rookies report, and we are picking our MVP of each position um during training camp. Yesterday, we got into the interior defensive line. Chad Brown thinks that... um DJ Jones is going to be the MVP there, and and Orlando thinks it's going to be Zach Allen. I sided with Chad there, but I think both of those guys are going to be integral parts of this team's success, if they have any defensively. Well, what about the edges? What about the boys rushing the quarterback, putting pressure on those guys uh, that are going to be responsible for holding that edge and putting pressure on the QB? We're going to pick our MVP of the edge rushers. Coming up next.
0: You've been admitted VIP entry into The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate
2: Jackson.
1: I'm a slightly stupid for you on a Tuesday morning. It's going to be another hot one. Here in Denver, Colorado, summer's in full swing, mid-July, these guys, these guys, these football players, these Denver Broncos, they've got another week of vacation. You think they're all back in town now, guys? I mean, do you think, Orlando, are, are they all back, ready to go, or do you think you got some of these guys who are kind of pushing it? I mean, where training
2: camp starts next, what, Tuesday?
1: Uh, they report on the 25th, 25th. What's the, I think, but what's the first day of practice, John? First day of practice is 28th. Okay. Okay. So,
2: so that's, uh, still 10 days away. I, I would hope that you're back here in Colorado. It's, it's a little different here. The altitude is real. That, that, and come on, guys. We've all played football before. We don't remember back in the day when we were doing those mat drills and the, the spring program and running our butts off and getting ready for the season and thinking that we're in the best shape of our life until you put a helmet on and you're gassed the first day and wondering what the heck's going on and you weren't training as hard as you should have. Mm -hmm. So um, with altitude as well, being here in Colorado, I would hope that these guys are back because no matter how you train, until you put on football pads and now have to push another person or run routes against another person that's going balls to the wall, that's how you get in football shape. So hopefully these guys are back by now.
1: And yet, like... Every coach knows, though, that their guys are going to come back in varying states of being in shape, right? So the, so you do sort of have, or do you have a couple days of acclimation where the coach is trying to assess where you're at and trying to get you all up to speed before you like start banging? Like they get here on the 25th. They don't practice till the 28th. You think they're going to do some running, some conditioning?
2: Yeah. Um, well, you, you hope that guys were pros. Um, this, you don't want to have to start off slow. Um, I want to be able to go out there and, and have a, a fast practice with just helmets and the little cushions, you know? So you, you can really check the temperature and maturity of your football team by seeing how they come back. That's why I've always liked when people have done like the conditioning test right at the start of training camp. Yeah. Because you've, kind of assured that, Hey, during these six weeks that these guys are off, they're working towards something. They understand that this is going to happen on day one. And you hope that everybody was a pro about
1: it and nobody's pulling up and pulling hamstrings or anything like that. Some guys have a target weight that they have to be at when they come in. Um, were you were you ever you know, it's usually offensive of linemen. It's usually the linemen who are like, Hey man, you gotta be smaller and if you come into camp uh over your weight, it would be you would get fined uh-huh. a, a certain amount of money per pound per day that you're overweight.
2: Yeah, so for me, um right after my rookie year I kinda went in the opposite direction and came into training camp at three fifteen at my plane weight and I was ready to go. Because the year before, I came in heavier. I was 338. It was the year of the lockout. Didn't know if we were going to have a season. Uh, I really just started eating whatever the heck I wanted to because I just did not know. But I struggled every single day in training camp. I struggled, and then I had to change my diet. And then coach was like, hey, you're going to play this year at 322. And I was on the brink of 322 every single week. So the following year for me, I I went overboard. I said, okay, I'm going to come into training camp at my playing weight. I learned in year two I can't come into training camp at my plane weight because I dropped about ten pounds during training camp, and now at the end of it all, I was just eating everything bad. And two, like, give me get two Chipotle burritos because psychologically I got to get back up to three fifteen. Yeah. So. um Yes, you're right about the whole getting fine for certain guys, but right after my second year and what had happened, I just went and talked to the coaches like, hey, i got to come in about 10 pounds heavier mm. than what I'm going to oh, play. they here. were cool with that. And they were cool with that, yeah.
1: Oh. You know, coaches sometimes are able to adjust their plan based on logic every once in a while. Um, well, you've talked about in depth about the benefit of playing against a guy like Vaughn Miller every day at practice. Like you... You you know, your first year here, you're like, oh, my God, can I even handle the NFL? This guy is giving me too much. And then you went out on the field on Sunday. You're like, oh, this guy's the best in, in the world. I'm good. It matters who you practice against. Mm-hmm. That 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 sharpens your tool for going out there and kicking butt. And, and if you look at these offensive tackles that these edge players are going to be going against, this is the highest paid tackle duo in the league. Maybe one of the best, right? Mike McGlinchey on one side, Garrett Bowles on the other. And so... That's a really good asset for this edge group that actually has to improve a lot from last year. After Bradley Chubb left, 12 sacks in nine games. That's like near the bottom of the league. These guys have to find a way to get to the quarterback. And so we're going to choose our MVP of this group. Now, on one side, you got Randy Gregory. You got Jonathan Cooper backing him up, and the other, and backing him up is Marcus Haynes. On the other side, you got Baron Browning. He's questionable already, and we know that he might start the season on the pup list. And backing him up is Nick Benito. And backing him up is Aaron Patrick. And then you got Christopher Allen, fourth on the depth chart, according to ESPN. Um, and then in, in addition to that, you got some question marks as far as players who could potentially play on the edge. Frank Clark maybe has done some of that before. They got him as a DN now. And also, rookie Drew... Uh, Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders, a long, tall, athletic middle linebacker who's done some edge work. And so... I ask you, Chad, you might have to turn on your mic. Mm-hmm. Know you're busy. You know, you're. know, I don't know what you're doing over there.
0: Write numbers down, man. It's important right. stuff. i got information to, to
1: provide here. We'll dispense this information upon your listeners, Chad. Who do you think is going to be the MVP of the Edge Group in 2023?
0: All right, just for a little context here. Uh, Randy Gregory has had the possibility of playing in 97 games. That is not including... The 2017 nor 2019 season where he didn't play any games at all. Of those 97 possible games for him to have played in, he's only played in 56. Of those 56, he's only started 15 games. This is a dude with like a, what was he, have a $70, 80000000 million deal? Is that all? Yeah. Uh, and he's only started 15 games his entire career. So I, I just simply can't go with Randy Gregory at all just because the track record of lack of availability is 100% clear. Uh, I understand when he's on the field, he's active and he presents some tantalizing uh, possibilities as far as, oh, man, this guy can only stay healthy. Well, you know, the track record says he cannot stay healthy. He cannot be available consistently for his team. So for me, he can't beat Randy Gregory. Baron Browning, uh, you mentioned earlier with the question mark. So now we're going back to the backups now. Nick Benito, Aaron Patrick, Christopher Allen, uh, Jonathan Cooper, Marcus Haynes. Perhaps Drew Sanders will get an opportunity there. He's first going to start off at inside linebacker. He may play that role that I played my first three years in Pittsburgh, where on the run downs you're playing inside linebacker then on third down you move to the edge. Um this is a, this may be the toughest group defensively to define who's going to be the MVP. Uh because there's question marks everywhere. Um it's I don't think it can be Nick
1: Benito. Uh I I suppose why can't it, why can't it be Nick Benito? Uh, he's because, got a year under his belt. Apparently his belt. he put on some weight, been focusing on the weight room, learned a little bit about the game. Why can't it be Nick Benito?
0: You make your biggest improvement between year and year two. I say this all the time. You know, players, that's where the biggest leap happens. Uh, there was just so much left to be desired for him as a run defender. I don't think he'll get the opportunity to play enough outside of maybe Baron Browning missing time or the injury situation where he can actually... Uh, be a possible MVP. Is so Nick get, Benito,
1: Sorry, but is he big enough? Is he? Is he? Does he have the size? He
0: didn't last year. Okay, it'll be interesting to see how he rebuilt his body this offseason. Will he be stout enough to be able to do it? Because he was a little bit light in the rear end last year, and that was part of the issue. But also, his technique wasn't very good. He didn't wasn't asked to do it very often in Oklahoma. Uh, be an edge defender and really defend the run well as a NFL edge style. So I suppose I'll go with Baron Browning just because i got to pick somebody from this group. Um, and he may be the guy who can provide the most consistency. But we're hearing from Mike Lissett, it might not be until deep into the season he's able to come back.
1: And still you're going to go with Barron Browning? I think so. All right. Uh, Orlando, who do you got being the MVP of the Edge Boys?
2: Sorry, give me Johnson Cooper this year. You know, I'm moving to the zero. Um, that number meant a lot at Ohio State. His alma mater, he wore it out there as well. But uh, for a lot of the reasons that Chad just listed off, just can't really believe in some of these guys that are penciled in, That it's the starters, don't really believe in their health, right? And um, when you look at just a guy like Randy Gregory and history repeating itself and how his career has went, he's probably probably... probably not going to get those opportunities. So I look at Jonathan Cooper as a guy that's going to be early and often in the rotation. And when you're early and often, you get opportunities to earn the right to get more reps. And I think that, you know, when you look at Jonathan Cooper, he's, been just getting a little bit better each and every year he hasn't got that boatload of reps where you're looking at hey let's see you know 50 of the snaps each and every game but I think this is the year because of how this outside linebacker room is constructed that he gets over that hump where coaches are looking at him to you know increase his role and you guys know it just as well as I know it when you get that new coach that fresh set of buys everybody's equal right and the only guys that are you know Sean Payton guys are the guys that were brought in in free agency the guys that were brought in in the draft. And there wasn't a lot of guys that were brought in in these positions. Yeah, you could say Drew Saunders, but at the same time, that's a young guy, little green b- b- behind the ears that's going to have to develop in this league first. So uh, give me Jonathan Cooper being the MVP out of this room just based on availability.
1: I love that pick, Jonathan Cooper, a guy who— I think he was a seventh-round pick, sixth or seventh-round pick a couple years ago, and really had some flashy moments when he came out on the field for the first time. He looked like he was playing faster than everybody out there. He's had a couple injuries. You remember he had the heart issue as well um, and was still able to come back after having heart surgery. So the guy has has pride, he has dedication to his craft. Clearly, he takes it seriously. I think Jonathan Cooper could make some waves this year. I'm actually going to go with Randy Gregory. I'm going to go with a guy who hasn't done it yet, who hasn't put a full season together yet, who's getting paid a ton of money. They all have professional pride. He wants to earn that money. He knows what people are saying about him. He was also in a system last year with Nathaniel Hackett that was lacked cohesion between the head coach and the strength coach Um Clearly, there was a disconnect there that, to me, led to a lot of injuries out there. It was not at all um, Lauren Landau's fault. It was the system that put these guys in a difficult position. I think they're going to figure out Randy Gregory's body a little bit better, learn how to use him in a rotation a little bit better, and he is our healthiest guy going into with, with the most experience, even that lack of experience. Mm-hmm. He is the most experienced guy on the edge to me, he also has the most talent. So I am choosing Randy Gregory to be the MVP of this position group with double-digit sacks. Mm. All right, so we all have different players here. That's why you tune into the Players Club for different opinions. Hopefully one of these guys one of these guys, can get to the quarterback, like, like we talked about earlier. After Bradley Chubb left, 12 sacks in nine games. Guys, that's not good enough. That puts a lot of pressure on the back end, and uh, defense has a hard time making plays. On the back end, when you don't put any pressure on the quarterback and force these bad throws and force these turnovers. So hopefully these guys can get it going this year. All right. Uh, PFT, Pro Football Talk came out with a top 10 coaches list for 2023. Where does our boy Sean Payton fit? Also, Russ and other Broncos worked out in Boulder <laughs> with Coach Prime and his and his uh, whole Boulder family. How did that thing go? We're going to get into that and more in the morning mixtape. <laughs> Next.
0: The Players Club welcomes you into the Morning Mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate.
1: Pro Football Talk. You ever, you ever checked out Pro Football Talk? Mike Florio's baby. They got some good stuff. Um, and they're coming out with, well, a list of the top ten coaches in the NFL. Pro Football Talk has slowly rolled out its list uh, heading into 2023. Guys, if it were your list, would you include Sean Payton in the top 10 without coaching last year? Chad? Yes, I would. Sean Payton is that good
0: of a— Skins on the wall? He's got skins on the wall. He's that good of a football coach. His offenses are, are proven. He's a offensive-minded head coach who play, was manages to be able to coach the whole football team. Uh, Sean Payton certainly deserves to be in this top 10. And when you can look at the coaches who are behind him on this list, Doug Peterson at 10, Mike Vrabel at 9, Kyle Shanahan at 8, uh, Sean McVay at 7, and Sean, uh, and Sean Payton at 6. How
1: are you going to put Kyle Shanahan behind Sean Payton right now, though, in, in my opinion? I mean, it's about current, right?
0: Uh, yeah, so that's looking at that'd be the one question mark there, but I think Sean Payton, uh, deserves to be ahead of all these other guys. I love my guy Vrabel. There's a lot to be said for almost everybody on this list, even Doug Peterson. Um, so I think we can quibble about the rankings, but Sean Payton certainly deserves to be in in this top 10.
1: Yeah, and we haven't, we, we don't have the top five yet, right? Yeah, just the parade.
0: Mike Tomlin, you know, yeah. you kind of know Harbaugh. Be Wait, how's here, right?
1: Mike Tomlin in the top five? One dude could barely even get 500 last year because he's never had a losing season. Because well, he inherited never. the Steeler way, <laughs>
2: but he did it last year with Kenny Pickett.
1: Yeah, you guys think Figured Kenny Pickett's going to be a dude this
2: year? Huh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's going to definitely take another step forward. I think I, there were large uh, spurts of play. Where he was able to kind of figure it out and look like that true NFL quarterback, whereas it started the season, it didn't look like he belonged. Yeah. So we'll see where his development is, but yeah, I look at this list and you know I got same questions as Chad when you when you look at the fact that Kyle's behind you know Sean Payton, Sean Payton, you you got to do it with a different team. This is your first time not having Drew Brees, like things are going to be a little bit different. So this this list is very interesting
1: to me. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who's going to be the top five. Is it Mike Tomlin? Uh, obviously Andy Reed. Um, Zach Taylor's gonna be in the top five? Maybe. Harbaugh? Harbaugh's gonna be in the top five and um who else? Belichick. <laughs> Bill. Bill. Does he uh, is Bill's is Bill's legacy on the line here this year and the next couple of years? Uh the next couple of years, yes. This not year? this year? I mean, why no. not this year? The guy last year had the hubris to and say, it? I don't need an offensive coach. Yep. I don't even need a coordinator. Yep, That was a ballsy move that backfired big time. Well, he's got more skins on the wall than anybody. Tom Brady. That, <clears throat>
0: that allows you to have some hubris with that.
1: Well, he better get that thing right. That's all I, uh, I'm saying. John Payton, number six on this list. We'll see if he performs <laughs> up to that standard. All right, guys. Uh, Russell Wilson and other Broncos worked out in Boulder. I don't know if it was yesterday, but it was very recently. A, uh, a YouTube video dropped. They a, a new video has emerged, and um, it wasn't just Russell. It was Javante Williams, Corlin Sutton, Chris Manhurts, Greg Dulcich working out at Folsom Field. Do, are, do these do these workouts get you guys excited? Do you have an issue with it? Um, you know, kind of marrying the the Broncos with the the CU Buffs there, and I, Shadour Sanders was there, and Dion was out there on a Segway. Poor Dion, man, he can't he can't walk it's just it's it's really sad and i think he's probably masking the severity of what he's going through because that's that's how he is you push through it but do you like this marriage between cu boulder and and uh, Denver Broncos, Orlando.
2: I think it's pretty cool. Um, anytime, you know, you, you have an opportunity to kind of, first of all, get the reps like Russell Wilson. Get get a couple reps, right? Get some of these guys that are already in Colorado. Make sure that we just talked about it earlier. Are these guys in shape? You know, get out there throwing the football, understanding kind of what Russell Wilson's thinking. Maybe you're just, just you know, 50 more reps Of that slant Is going to help Right It's going to make you feel That much more comfortable When training camp starts So I like this thing, and I also love the fact that they're up there at CU, you know, up there by the hype. Um, it, I think it's super cool. When I went to University of Miami, I had the benefit in the off season of watching all these guys come back, these NFL players where you could be in a workout and look down the line, and you see I'd read. You see, you know, Jonathan Vilma. I see Vince Wolford. Uh, Vince is happened out early. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not running like this. The heck with this. But you see these guys, right? And I thought that that was the coolest thing in the world. So um, my hat goes off to these Bronco players going up there because it means everything to some of these guys up there at CU. Um, so I think it's cool and checks every box for me all around for sure. Mm. Yeah, I'm watching the video right now. It's a, like, it's, a, it's a CU commercial, essentially. Yep. Um,
0: tons of branding and all of that. And uh, yeah, Russell Wilson is dapping up Shadour Sanders. It, as a college kid to work out with NFL players, resets your expectations, resets your, your your level that you can see yourself going to. I think it's very instrumental for these guys. Yeah, and there's Russell Wilson dropping back, play-action fake, working the feet, and releasing the ball down the field. It looks like a legitimate workout. It, it looks good. It's a legitimate quarterback
1: workout. Yeah. It's like an agility video for the quarterbacks. You yeah. got Jake Heaps there doing good. Bell, side, Bill, yeah. You know, as Russell's doing all his thing. If I'm a receiver, or a tight end there, I'm like, why am I here? You should just be throwing to cones because it's about you getting your little agility. Like, when I see receivers throwing with quarterbacks, and, you know, you call me a hater or whatever, but quarterbacks shouldn't be running around doing crap like that. Mm-hmm. Take your take your three-step drop, throw the three-step slant. Take the three-step drop, throw the slant. Throw the, you know, whatever it is. Let's work the routes. It's not about the routes. It's about the quarterback there.
0: Yeah, uh, to your point, that's interesting because shouldn't we practice plays
1: on time? Why do we continue to practice Pocket breaking down stuff. It's this sort of gimmicky Jake Heap sort of agility workout video footballization of what's going on here. And I'm concerned, I'm concerned that Russell <laughs> hasn't learned, man. I- I'm hoping that Sean Payton gets him away from that. But this thing that he keeps practicing with all these showy spins and getting out of here and running back and then throwing down ball the field at an angle. Don't practice that, Russell. That's it. That's your instinct. That's my feeling. Is it possible that CU is is doing too much stuff on camera and they're turning into football actors?
0: That is a real possibility. And a bit of fear of mine ever since this whole uh, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders thing happened. At some point, do you lose track of the football and become a TV show? Uh, Because it is. It's a YouTube show for Coach Prime. And, you know, we're we're tuned in because we're hoping for football wins and and football team and football victory, not just for the TV product of it all. Um, And I think some of these players are young enough and maybe not have enough perspective where they can get lost in
1: that. Is it possible that CU is making the same mistake right now that Russell Wilson made last year on his entrance? Like, too noisy of an entrance, and then you suck too bad when you went onto the field.
2: Well, it's possible, but guess what, Nate? This is what CU ordered. They knew what came with primetime. You knew exactly what it was going to be. Primetime was doing this at the HBCU at Jackson State. And I didn't think he was going to do anything different. I thought, if anything, if he got hired here, that it was going to be even louder, even bolder, even more in your face. Bolder. I like what you did there. Yeah, bolder. I did that by accident. I like that you pointed it out. But um, I think that (laughs) this is definitely something that you worry about because... All eyes are on this program. Yeah. You, you open up the season with a team that has a bad taste in their mouth for getting the the you know what kicked out of them, while everybody is watching right. in the national championship. Yeah, right. So the whole world is going to be watching, and now it's 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 all like kind of leading up to kind of exactly what happened with the Broncos last year. Russell Wilson's returned to Seattle, week one, and everybody's watching. Now I just hope CU is able to compete against TCU. That's what I'm hoping. Where now it helps with the confidence. Do I think they win that football game? Maybe. Maybe, but i I think TCU is, you know, quietly, you know, looking at some of this bait, oh, looking yeah. at some of the oh, disrespect, yeah. and oh, looking. Yeah. At, and I don't know if they're look, saying it's disrespectful, but I would if I was TCU, like yeah. try to use this, especially with just what happened with the Nuggets in that narrative that was across the country, right? The <laughs> athletes are motivated by different little things, so I would definitely be using this as a motivation factor if I'm a part of that TCU program.
1: When you say you just want to see them be competitive in that game, what does that look like to you? Is it, is it an eye test or is score.
2: I want to see, see you try to run it up, right? I mean, you want to see multiple touchdowns. I want to see them be able to run the ball in the end zone, but also throw the ball in the end zone, right? I mean, we're looking at Dion's kid, Shidori, like, what are you going to do? Can you throw the ball in these tight windows, or should you now be down a level? Like, I'll, I know that he was a Division One athlete, and he's decided to go with daddy, but at the same time, <laughs> this is bigger time football that you're getting ready to play. Those reads got to be faster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be clear. I think pretty early in that game, what kind of, what kind of team CU has, or at least what they've been able to build, build in this short amount of time. Either way, we come and only works if you actually come. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) All right. So the Jets, the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett, man, Nathaniel Hackett has moved on. He's now the offensive coordinator, uh, in New York with Aaron Rodgers. Have the Jets set them up for some trouble? We're going to talk about that next. You've been admitted VIP entry into The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Sandra Paul, so maybe Well I don't really care what people say. I don't really watch what them wan do. Still I got to stick to my girls like glue and I'm an i play number two. All I know the time it just gets in jail. you a lot of chicken buttons, my play number two. I don't know. Got a little bit. I'm going to leave that translation
0: up to you. What?
2: All right.
0: All right. You're the reggae, man. Is,
1: is this reggae? Dancehall.
2: Uh, dancehall, I, dance I don't know. This don't know. is 100% dancehall. Yeah,
1: okay. You like Sean Paul? Do I like Sean well, Paul?
2: Yeah. yeah. Sean Paul made it, like he was one of, it was first came Bon Marley, then came Sean Paul, right? <laughs> and Bon Marley gave you a different aspect of reggae that more calmer. And then Sean Paul came and all of a sudden it was about dance And you know the culture behind it of the 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 Jamaican dance moves and how you the the whining aspect where uh, you're moving your hips a certain way on um, the dance floor. So absolutely, it it was a a necessary step in the evolution of reggae and the evolution of my country that I was born in, Jamaica.
1: Love it. Well, so I picked a good song for you. Absolutely, love it. Uh, If you got a reggae tune you want to hear on. um on this this week we're just kind of we're kind of dialing it back a little bit this week a little vacation vibes a little reggae vibes if you're on a beach maybe you're not on a beach maybe you're just in your house maybe you're in the car anywhere else in the house in the car anyway guys last year in 2022 the Denver Broncos were last in the NFL in point score per game you guys uh, yeah. we all remember that it was in an an inept performance oh not good <laughs> But do you guys remember what the points per game were for the Denver Broncos?
2: No. No. I try to forget that thing as fast as possible.
1: 16.9 per game. Super
2: duper bad. (laughs)
1: bad. bad That's right. That's right. Last in the league. Uh, Right behind the Houston Texans, who are at 17.0. So are the Indianapolis Colts at 17.0. You remember the game? One of the worst games of the year when Indianapolis Colts came to town um, and beat the Broncos 12-9. to Barnburner. On a Thursday night game. Oof, nice I was at football. that game and it was brutal. Um, on the other side of this thing, a team that finds themselves in the same division of the Broncos and have beat the Broncos uh, 432 straight times, I believe. The Kansas City Chiefs, they led the league in points per game. How, how many points do you think they scored? 33? Tw- Twenty nine. Um, yeah, 29.2. Uh, Buffalo was, uh, was second with 28.4. The Eagles 28.1. So, you score points, you end up playing in the championship game. Does that throw a wrench, the fact that the two out of the three highest-scoring teams end up in the Super Bowl together, does that throw a wrench in the idea that defense wins championships? No. (sighs) No. I'm just going to give you
2: my quick two cents. I've been burned before. I understand defense wins championships. Does it? 2020, uh, 2013, defense wins championships. So for me, hard no.
1: Chad, does defense win championships? Heck yeah, it does. How did the Chiefs win last year?
0: Because they played
1: such exceptional offense. Okay. Because back so not years. always. No. Sometimes. Um, but um, the architect of this offense last year that was last in the league is Nathaniel Hackett. And he has moved on to be reunited with his buddy Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, by all accounts, that's why he came here in the first place with the hopes that we could get Aaron Rodgers here. That didn't work out. And now he is calling plays, which is something that he hasn't really done a lot of in his career. Didn't do that in Green Bay. He was Aaron Rodgers' right-hand man, but he wasn't the guy calling the plays, and that's a different skill set, as we saw. Um, Hackett did give an interview um, with the New York Post and had some interesting things to say about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, how it's going to play out on the field. Hackett said that a key part of the Jets' wide receiver's job in training camp is going to be learning to watch Aaron Rodgers for any signal that he's changing a play or pass route based on what he sees from the opposing defense. Yes, a quarterback should have that um, responsibility, but it's something that you earn, and it's something that takes a lot of practice to get it right. Quote from Nathaniel Hackett, it's something that he takes a lot of pride in, and it's something that we love to see because he takes advantage of certain areas on the field, Hackett said via the New York Post. It definitely puts a little pressure on the wide receivers because they can't ever just lock in on something that they're going to be doing. If the quarterback sees an advantageous look for something, he'll give you something very quick, and you have to have your eyes on him and eyes on the ball. End quote. Guys, are the Jets about to suffer something similar to what the Broncos did in 2023? Or will the Broncos be asking what could have been, knowing that Nathaniel Hackett is calling plays for the quarterback that is actually better than the one that we have? Chad? Ah, wow.
0: Can Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers excel in New York? I think they will. Will there be a learning curve early on? Yeah, because it's just what Nathaniel Hackett was talking about, trying to get Aaron Rodgers on the same page with his receivers. We saw Aaron Rodgers push back last year in Green Bay with his young receivers and how frustrated he got with those guys. There's going to be a learning curve in New York with all this as well, and we'll get a chance to see that, you know, on hard knocks. So that'll be fun. But to your question, will the Bronco fans get a chance to see what could have been? Yes. They'll see an all-time great in Aaron Rodgers uh, work the system um, to his style and to an incredibly high level. And this is what could have been here, but the Aaron Rodgers – Move to never, never happen. Yeah. I, I
2: think, you know, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett one day, they, I think Ro- Aaron Rodgers is going to do a better job of understanding about all 11 guys that are out there on the football field. I think with Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be more about checking into plays that he knows is going to be successful. Now, I don't believe that that was here last year. I believe when you start getting decimated by injuries, you have to change your mindset. You can't do that five-step drop. You can't push the ball down the field. You can't have that long develop and play action play to go down the field because guess what? Your left guard might not hold up or your right tackle might not be able to hold up in space that long. So I think Aaron Rodgers will do a better job also because the Jets football team is was right now is a better football team than the Denver Broncos were last year. They're a deeper football team as well. So, that football team was winning football games and was right there, you know, last year, just needed better quarterback play. So, I think you look at that, I don't believe that Nathaniel Hackett's going to have any say-so in training camp, so I believe they're going to be doing 7-on-7 there with Robert Sala. (laughs) I believe they're going to be doing one-on-ones there. They're going to be working their butt off with with Red Zone, and Rodgers has, you know, kind of completely done a 180 from what we normally did. The last couple of years in Green Bay, not showing up for OTAs and, hey, you know, and I'll be there for mandatory minicamp. Well, he was there for OTAs with the Jets. So he's understanding the timing better around these young wide receivers where last year he's kind of walking in when he doesn't have that whoopee, right? Devontae Adams, gone you got to show up. Devontae Adams is not there. You need to show up April 15th or whenever you're supposed to be there.
1: had three rookie receivers, too, or something like that. Yeah, so I,
2: I think the approach will be different, so there will be a lot better of a product as well out there on the field when you look at Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, the relationship behind the scenes will be an added benefit of that situation out there with the Jets.
1: The relationship is clearly strong between those two, and the things that Nathaniel Hackett was saying right there about about Aaron Rodgers' command of the line of scrimmage and the things that he has been greenlighted to do has to do with the trust, right, that Nathaniel Hackett has in him and the connection that they have based on the system that they're trying to implement. But why didn't we see any of that last year with Russell Wilson? And, and clearly, you know, things didn't go well from a big-picture standpoint. Nathaniel Hackett's sort of in over his head with all the decision-making and all the moving parts of being a head coach. But why didn't we see any of it? Why didn't we see some progress? Why didn't we see Russell Wilson start to take command of the offense in a way that s- scratches that itch that he's talking about there? Why were they so disconnected? Because <laughs> Russell Wilson was putting plays in on his own on Tuesdays
2: mm-hmm. um, because um, they took the whole entire run game and threw it out the window come week five. and mm-hmm. said, We are a different, completely different offense. And, oh, by the way, we don't do um, seven-on-sevens. We're going to throw those reps out there as well. And, and you're already started off behind the learning curve with how you approach training camp. Well said. I mean, that was. That's, I mean, you
0: you you don't practice in a traditional style. You get untraditional results. You get the results we saw last season. You got two dudes who are trying to put very different offensive uh, philosophies together versus Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. They talk about being like best friends. You know, and so Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett weren't on the same page like Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. It, it, it was a bad mix. It was a bad plan for training camp, and they were never able to take their two separate philosophies and,
1: and make them cohesively into one. Do you, think, do you think Nate Hackett knows that? Do you think he knows what went wrong? Yeah, I think he knows very <laughs> Absolutely. well, though. Oh, yeah. I wanted to come on the players' club. They, and tell they us that started.
2: Story. They started doing seven on seven.
1: Yeah, later in the season, the coaches had like, to come to him and be like, "Hey, man, we need to do this stuff." Right. I don't is know. That, do you think that's, that's, what said, yeah, oh, he, that's what he said? Yeah, that's what he said. As far as the one on ones and, and some of that stuff, he he did reveal that some of the coaches asked to do this, and so we're going to do it. Welcome. Okay. And it is one of the more curious things for from, from the Hackett regime that he didn't do those things that are just tried and true processes for developing the connection between the quarterback and the receiver. The one he's talking about. Right here, mm. he didn't give him a chance to do that, man. And that, and this, is just going to be a you know a forever what if in my mind. If Nathaniel Hackett had actually been able to implement what his offensive vision really is, we didn't really know what it. I don't really know what it is. Mm. Uh, I didn't see it on the field. It was so different from week to week. All right, Um right, we're doing this all week. We're picking an MVP of each position. If you missed it last hour, we got into the edge rushers, and we're going to go even deeper with the edge boys when we get back. That's next.